Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, what's up? Monday afternoon, start of a new week. Thanks for being with us. Glad to have you along for the ride. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Log on to PearlRiverResort.com to learn more. Love to hear from you on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. Backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in Seaspire country. Check them out online at seaspire.com slash business. A uh, kind of a low-key, busy, but good sports weekend. Yeah, the PGA Championship, it was, I mean, just a great Sunday in Rochester, New York. And if you like bad weather golf, you had that on Saturday, so it was kind of fun to watch the best players in the world struggle a little bit, but then yesterday the best players in the world were throwing darts, and that was fun as well. College baseball's regular season came to an end on Saturday. We roll toward the SEC tournament, which begins tomorrow in Hoover. You know that's an event that we love, and it is an event that many, many, many of you love as well, but uh, the love is going to be put on the shelf just a touch this year uh, because... Clearly, neither Mississippi State nor Ole Miss is there. We can still love the event. It's just a little less exciting when neither of the teams you follow or cover are uh, are in the actual event. Are you saying the love is gone? Yeah. <laughs> I, I did the arm motions what, for you. What's there to yeah. love about, about this event without Ole Miss and Mississippi State in it? Well, it's still a fun event, and you know it's still in the same place. Uh, as I told Richard, is, and there's nostalgia and all that that goes along with it. But yes, it's it's less intriguing this year. As I as I told Richard earlier today, plenty of great restaurants in the Hoover area that I would love to frequent. But you know, what's the point? Borky, before you jumped on the call this morning, hey Dad, and I were talking. I was like, all right, you ready to go to Hoover tomorrow? He's like, uh, I guess. Let's go. <laughs> Just let me know. Yeah, um, get to see Missouri play. All right. Yeah, we'll, no, uh, we'll no, no, the no, no. Oh, you you wouldn't have gone to any of the see. games. You would have just like hung out. I wouldn't go to any games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I hear you. We got the uh, SEC first and second teams, the All Freshman Team, Player of the Year. Those awards. We'll get to those this afternoon. A little bit of representation from both Ole Miss and Mississippi State. State with a first team player 
and a uh, all-freshman player, Ole Miss with three, that made the second team. Uh, maybe a little bit of debate on freshman of the year in the SEC. Uh, I don't know that there's a lot of debate based on the way the season ended for uh, for the two guys that were kind of in the running for that award. We'll talk about uh, all of that coming up with, uh, with you this afternoon. Um, PGA Championship. We can hold off on that. I don't know that that's the, the – well, I don't know. Let's talk about it just for a second. Hey, Dad, you're not the golf guy. We know that. But – and you've said basically you watch the Masters and you'll kind of catch a little bit of the other majors. Did you sample any of yesterday's PGA Championship? Please tell me you did. I I, I caught the replay of uh, of Block dunking the uh, – was that on 15? Yes, I, I saw people talking about it on Twitter. I was like, maybe I can get to it, and I switched channels. I was watching the hockey game, and uh, I saw that. So, yeah. What what a scene that was. If you don't know the story of Michael Block, you've probably been buried just a little bit under a rock for the uh, the last few days. He is a PGA teaching professional uh, out in Mission Viejo, California, at a, a public golf course there. He's a good player, qualified for the PGA, as a number of PGA professionals do, and then managed to go out and finish tied for 15th, which gets him an invite to the PGA Championship again next year. As you know, within about an hour or so of his round ending, as all of these accolades were, were coming his way, he got a call from the tournament director at the uh, at the Charles Schwab, which is in Fort Worth this week. He got a sponsor's invite for that, and I think did the RBC invite him the Canadian this, Open this yeah. afternoon as well. So you know what's going to happen, cool. though, right? He, he's going to shoot like 82, 80, and miss both cuts. It's possible. There, there's a reason that he's such a great story, and it's you know, it's it's tin cup in real life, basically. Yeah, is what this is. An older version of tin cup. And what I appreciated about him is he didn't pretend like it wasn't something that was different. You know, you get some guys in these Cinderella moments that are. Yeah, and you're just going to take it one hole at a time and try to... You know, they downplay what's happening. He's given a press conference after the third round where he's going to start Sunday at the PGA Championship at 47 years old as a club pro out in California. And he finds out he's getting paired with Rory. And his reaction is just, wait, are I get to play Are you a, serious? I get to play a Rory Mac. Oh what? my God! No, wait. Oh, really? that's gonna be fun. That that stuff, and, and it was the whole every putt he would make. He would look up and realize this is a dream. Like I, I, this is not real life. And I loved that about this guy. It was he was acting like the moment was what it was instead of trying to pretend like he was something that he wasn't. He was acting exactly uh, like like he wasn't supposed to be there because he's not supposed to be there, and yet he was. And it was awesome. I mean, just soaking every second in was awesome to watch. I thought there were a couple of things that really – and by the way, Brooks Kepka won the, the event, which is a great story in and of its own right, uh, and, and we can kind of pick that apart a little bit as well. But there were a couple of things that, that stood out to me. One, he played his game. He didn't try to be something that he wasn't. He putted really well for the first three days. He admitted after the round yesterday, talking about Michael Block, that the nerves got to him a little bit. He, he said, I, you know, kind of deep down realized that this was a day where maybe not as many putts were going to go in for me. He said, and that turned out to be the case. Um, I thought it was cool that he was able to soak in the moments as they were happening and then still regroup mentally yeah. to go out and still hit the shots that he needed to hit on a really difficult golf course 
with massive galleries when he became the like adopted hometown favorite because of his story. There's a lot of pressure on this guy. And he's playing right really next to well. Rory, too. I mean, one of the biggest yeah. names in the game who hits the ball a, a ton. Uh, man, that that last putt, sn- just sneaking in the right side, was was just so so cool. That and and that putt was worth to him. But like we say all the time, right? With professional golfers, especially the ones that are in the top twenty in the world. You know, the the difference in finishing T15 and T21, maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars, maybe a hundred thousand bucks, whatever. Those guys are raking it in in sponsors' money. The difference in where he finished at T15 and where he would have finished if he had not made that putt, so finishing plus one versus plus two, worth about a hundred thousand dollars to a guy who uh, had a buddy send uh, a message this morning. His rate, I think, is $125 for uh, an hour long lesson. It would take three thousand one hundred twenty-five one hundred twenty-five dollar hour-long lessons Man. to match the payday that he had yesterday. Man, now that's just gross money. I mean, that's not caddy and expenses and all that stuff. The point is, it was a really good payday for Michael Block, and then he gets to roll it into a chance to make another check this week. Yeah, I can't help great, but wonder if our buddy Steve Jim's about... watching that and going, "Hey, I wonder if he wants to come to Jackson in hey, October." If he plays well in these next two events, come. then go for it. He can come back to Mississippi, where you know he, as we, we as I told you guys yesterday, yeah, he attended Mississippi State University. So he, he, are we did. for sure that he didn't play on the team though? Went to school, got his. I, he, he, I looked at the MSU golf media guide. He did not letter. He may have been on the team, but he did not letter in golf at Mississippi State. Yeah. So then, just did the teaching? My, my he was is, here. He's from St. Louis. My guess is, hey, Dad, he went to state because of the PGM program, knew that he wanted to be a golf pro. Yeah, that makes sense. I saw a picture today of him. uh, He was part of of a fraternity pledge class in 1994, so he would have been at state when I was at state. So I wonder if he was in Sesums in in my dorm at that time or, or where he was. I, I have no memory of the guy, obviously. we got to start tracking that. Uh, I that knew a couple of down. PGM guys, too. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you knew him and you've just forgotten. Who knows? And also, so by the way, possible, Brooks yeah. won his fifth major. Oh, just, oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, that puts him in pretty uh, elite company. And, and we can unpack the, the yeah. PGA Championship more. Southern Miss wins two out of three this weekend. Nothing like a good old lightning-slash-weather delay to push back your ceremony and your start time for the middle game of the season uh, on the night that Scott Berry was to be honored. We're going to visit with Scott Berry coming up in uh, about five minutes. Head coach uh, at Southern Miss announced last week uh, that he was stepping down. Hey, Dan, I feel like i got to give him a hard time. You know, he, he could have given us that news last Monday, but he decided to hold it for a couple of days. Uh, I thought we were friends here. thought we were all friends. I mean, um, we're giving you the biggest platform in the state. Take it. Yeah. But and, and they lost that middle game on the night that he was awarded. It had nothing to do with the award ceremony. It had everything to do with Louisiana played really, really well in that game. But Southern Miss won the series. They got another great pitching performance from Tanner Hall in game one. And then a little bit of a slugfest in game three on Saturday. They get, they get the series win. He won baseball, still does not have them projected as a host, but they're getting closer. Sunbelt Conference Tournament is coming up uh, this week, starts tomorrow in Montgomery. 
Just getting started. We got the uh, Ferris Trophy was awarded today. Ton to get to with you. Sports Talk Mississippi. Scott Barry joins us next on the Farm Bureau guest line. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi. Here we, here we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Monday afternoon. As we have done each week of the regular season, uh, we get to visit with Scott Ferry right now. He is the head baseball coach at Southern Mississippi. They won two out of three against the Raging Cajuns in Hattiesburg this weekend. Scott joins us as always on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. I, I feel like we've got a little bit of a bone to pick first, though, but before we really Uh-oh. get into this this conversation. You know, Scott, I, I feel like we're all friends here, and, and we have this conversation on Mondays every week. I, I don't understand why you didn't just go ahead and make your big special announcement last Monday afternoon right here. I mean, a press release on Wednesday? What's that all about? Actually, it was on Tuesday. Was Tuesday. Oh, just Tuesday. one day later yeah, then. So it was, yeah, it was even closer than what you thought. So, um, no, it was, uh, you know, uh, Richard, I've been, you know, knowing this for some time and just, Really uh, didn't want it to be a distraction in in our season along the way, and made the decision back in August to do this and with a plan moving forward, which was uh, which was carried out yesterday, and, and naming yeah. Coach Ostrander as our next head coach. So, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was an emotional day on Tuesday, obviously, but it was one that was uh, a, a, like a weight lifted off my back, and, and to be honest. Well, all jokes aside, uh, on behalf of all of us at, at Sports Talk Mississippi, congratulations. Um, I, I think there's something that's incredibly special about being able to go out on your terms, and you're able to do that. After 14 years as the head coach there, 23 years with the program, a place that, that we know is so incredibly special to you, uh, you, you told me that you weren't wild about the idea of, of the ceremony that they were having, but I know that when it was all said and done, that had to be an incredibly special moment for you and for uh, for your family before game two. It really was. And, you know, uh, I'm glad that I was um, persuaded to go ahead and, and let them do that because it gave an, a chance to honor my family who sacrificed a bunch for what I do and, I tell people all the time I spend more time with other people's kids than my own. So, but for them to feel honored uh, in that, in in the whole, whole whole scheme of things, that was a blessing for me. So, uh, outside of uh, the, my marriage to my wife and the birth of my two kids, that's probably the most special moment that I've had. Well, that's uh, that that is incredible. And you mentioned a second ago that the next phase of the plan was made official yesterday. Maybe the worst kept secret in the history of secrets that Christian Ostrander was uh, going to be the next uh, head coach, but I, I just find it so incredible. And I know this is not new, but we've talked about it before. But the continuity within the program, where Corky Palmer played for, uh, 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 hold on, I got to go back farther. Uh, Hill Denson played for and coached under um, under Pete Taylor and then took the reins. Corky Palmer coached under Hill Denson, took the reins. You coached under uh, Corky and then took the reins, and now you've got Christian Ostrander, who has coached under you and gets to take the reins as well. To me, that says a lot about 
just a lot about the program and, and what it means there. Yeah, you know, uh, oftentimes um, through our success, people will ask me, you know, how do you, what do you, why do you think it's been so successful? And, and that's the very reason the learning curve of, of the program, the uh, the philosophies haven't changed very much at all. You know, we've, been a, we've done a great job of retaining our assistance along the way. So, uh, you know, when there's when there's not change and there's no need for change and it's successful, then it just continues to build as you move through uh, one coach to the next. And I think that is exactly what what has been our our key to our success in this program. Scott, I, I've got to believe, and, and I'm certainly not asking you to divulge anything here along the way, but I have to believe because of the success that you have had at Southern Miss, there have been opportunities for you over the course of the last decade and a half, if you had wanted to go somewhere else, why did you stay put for, for 14 years? You know, Richard, I think it's just about what you, what you love to do and the people that you love to do. I've never been one to take money, and not that that's a, that's a bad thing, but he is. I, that's never been my my uh, mo in this business, in all honesty. And so. Uh, it was a it, it was a special place when I visited here in 1990, and I was coaching the Southwest Reserve State. They were building the stadium, and I just fell in love with it. I can remember leaving Pete Taylor Park on that bus, and uh, a young young coach in, in Southwest Missouri saying, "If I ever get a chance to coach at Southern Miss, I'm going to take that up, you know, that that opportunity to do it." And I was afforded that by Coach Palmer in 2000. And, I really had no reason to, to change or look elsewhere. I felt like that what I had invested in this program and others that with the help of others, that there was really there was no other place that I really wanted to go to. All right, the, the series from this past weekend, you take two of three, uh, and it starts on Thursday night with another just absolutely masterful pitching performance by Tanner Hall, who, by the way, was named the Sunbelt Conference Pitcher of the Year earlier today. What an incredibly deserving award there in year one in the Sunbelt Conference. And you had one really big swing of the bat on Thursday night. Oh, we sure did. And that's all it took was one big swing. But, you know, when you look at the uh... – the uh, how that inning was built. It was built around a couple of walks in there and a hit. So, you know, those things always play into what seems to be run-producing innings, and it did. Matt Etzel made them pay with a grand slam. And then, of course, with uh, with Tanner and, and Storm behind him, uh, with, with their pitching, I mean, and we just really just dominated uh, the Raging Cajuns on Friday with that. Now, we don't really have to talk about about Saturday all that much. That was maybe not the best game that your guys have played. Southern, uh, or excuse me, Louisiana just kind of knocks it all around the park. You guys kick it around a little bit, so so we'll leave that one be. But you come back and it sets up a massive final game of the regular season. And boy, Danny Lynch showed up in a big way—not one, but two grand slams. You guys win a slugfest in what had to be a really entertaining baseball game on on Saturday. Well, it was, but you know, I think we do have to talk about that game on Friday because it mirrored what happened to us in the two games at, at Coastal Carolina where we really just got punched in the face and we were faced with the same scenario. You know, we had a 14 game winning streak going into that game on, on Friday and, and getting beat 10 to 1 and, and Epsil hit the only solo home run. We were faced with the same challenge, you know, but this time it was to win a series and not get swept in a series. So 
I love the fact that we had another challenge to really try to figure out who we were. And, and those guys, uh, they showed who we were on on Saturday. Um, you know, in the first inning, Lafayette hits three home runs, two solos and a two home run, and we're down four to nothing before we even see a pitch at the plate. But then we respond with four in the, in the bottom of the first, Danny Lynch's first grand slam. And then later in the, I think the sixth inning gets another grand slam when we're down eight to five to put us up nine to eight. But, you know, Saturday was senior day. Those guys have played pivotal roles in, in what we've been able to attain in success these past years with them in, in the lineups. And boy, they couldn't have showed up any better. Lynch with two grand slams. Sargent went, had four hits at the backside base hit, which was the eventual game winning. RBI there in the bottom of the eighth when we were tied. And then Reese Ewing, another senior, follows up with another single. Again, it's an insurance run. Rodrigo Montenegro draws his walks, hit by pitch that led in those innings of, of the Grand Slam. So a lot of great uh, performances by our seniors on that day and in a way that, that if we don't make it back to Pete Taylor Park as, as, as a regional host, which you know we've got a lot of work to do that, I understand that, but if that is our last name, our last game, then those guys certainly uh, went out with a bang. Yeah, no, no question about that. So, just a couple of minutes left. We we turn our attention now to the Sun Belt Conference tournament, and there's a lot of significance there for you. You just alluded to it a second ago. If if you guys are going to play yourselves into a host spot, probably going to take a big week in uh, in Montgomery. Just your thoughts on the tournament going in. Well, it's going to be a very competitive tournament, as is every tournament, because what tournament play does is those that haven't had the seasons that they want, or maybe they're not in contention for one of the 33 at-large bids, everybody starts with uh, back to, to a 0-0 slate, and it gives everybody a new birth and opportunity to be one of those bubble busters and win a tournament and get that automatic bid. So the Sun Belt's going to be no different. We follow the same format as the SEC tournament tomorrow. There's two play-in games. Uh, there will be two winners that advance, and there will be two that go home. And then Wednesday we will play the winner of one of those games who will be the higher seed. Uh, and then uh, Coastal Carolina on the other side of the bracket, they'll get the other winner who will be that lower seed of, of that winner. So going to be a really competitive uh, tournament. Yes, you know, I think that we have to get – deep in it. we got to put some wins together for that committee to give us a thought about possible hosts. But, you know, we're going to continue the way we have all year, Richard, and that's going to be play one game at a time. You know, the most important game we have is Wednesday. We don't know the opponent yet, but, you know, as we talk about, it's not the opponent we're playing. It's the game that we're playing, and we're trying to win that game. I love that we got a one game at a time reference from you in our, our last conversation, uh, at least in the regular season. Maybe maybe we can talk again next week uh, about an NCAA regional bid and hopefully at, at your place. Scott, thanks so much for your time. Uh, look forward to uh, to visiting with you. And again, congratulations on all of the success and best wishes going forward. Oh, my pleasure, Richard. Thank you. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. That was Scott Berry on the Farm Bureau guest line. More Sports Talk Mississippi. It's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi.
Ceasefire text line open to you at 601-879-4395. Dan in Hattiesburg, Tanner Hall got robbed. We got another one. He got cheated out of the Ferris, but Tanner Hall was just named Sunbelt Conference Pitcher of the Year. So let's talk about the Ferris Trophy. It was awarded today. Uh, the Ferris Trophy presented by the Mississippi Band of Choctaw Indians and in Pearl River Resort. They had the ceremony at Pearl River Resort today. Kemp Alderman was named the winner of the 2023 Ferris Trophy. Alderman was the first Ole Miss player to win the award since 2014 when Austin Bousfield won it. He led the Rebels in nearly every offensive category, hit 376, slugged it at a 709 clip. His on base percentage was 440, had 80 hits, 61 runs batted in, 19 home runs. 151 total bases, and he hit 393 with runners on base. The 80 hits and the 151 total bases were fourth highest in the SEC during the regular season. The 19 home runs were third highest in program history. He also caught four games and pitched twice, giving up one hit with four strikeouts over an inning and two-thirds. That's just kind of like a little asterisk at the end of the season he had. Kip Alderman won this award. Yeah, he uh if, if Tanner I Hall had hit a home run, you know. Maybe so. Maybe so. Um I'll give you Tanner Hall's numbers in a second. I think there's something that's really important to point out here though. Because I don't feel like a lot of people know this. The Ferris Trophy, the the finalists and the winner are chosen by a panel made up of scouts and coaches. It is different from the Connerly Trophy, the Howell Trophy, and the Gillum Trophy. Those three awards are voted on by members of the media. And there's been a fan component at times in the Connerly Trophy award presentation. But but if you want to get mad at somebody, you got to get mad at people who do baseball full-time for a living. They're the ones that, that determine who the winner of this award is. I, I think... I'm not going to speak for the two of you, although I think you've said it out loud as well. If it had been an award that media voted on and we had a vote like we do for the other three awards, I would have voted Tanner Hall first and Kemp Alderman second. Me as well. Me as well. Okay, so so we're all on the same page on that. And if it had been an award that was given based on media voting, I think Tanner Hall would have won it, and I don't honestly think it would have been that close. But that is not how this award is determined. So, you want to get mad at somebody, that's who you get mad at. It's not not necessarily with, you can be mad at us for other things. Here were Tanner Hall's numbers this year. And you will be. He was 11-3 in 14 games started. So he factored into the decision in all 14 games in which he pitched. He had a 2.5, uh, 2.45 earned run average. He had one complete game and 88 innings pitched this year, 64 hits allowed. He gave up 29 runs, just 24 of them were earned. He struck out 100 and walked 30. He allowed five home runs, and the batting average against him was 203. How does that compare to his numbers from last year? And you remember the numbers from last year that we're looking at are, include games after the award was presented. So it includes his postseason numbers. He's got at least two more starts, possibly three, possibly more than that. But last year he went 9-3. and three. 
He had 17 starts and 19 appearances. ERA was higher last year than this year, 2.81. He threw 109 innings last year. I don't know if he'll get to that threshold this year or not. It would take probably three starts and going deep in all three of them. Uh, He gave up 98 hits last year, so that's significantly more than this year. He gave up more runs and more earned runs last year. He walked fewer. He only had 14 walks while striking out 146 last year. So the the strikeout-to-walk ratio was just mind-boggling a season ago. The numbers are very deserving of being named the best college baseball player in the state, but frankly... The numbers for Kemp Alderman are also very deserving of being awarded the Ferris Trophy. Thoughts? If I'm a Southern fan, the first thing I'll point is Kemp Kemp Alderman didn't even make first team all SEC. And yet won won the the uh the, the the trophy. I'm I, I was surprised to not see Kemp, but I guess when you look at the the, the three outfielders that made it. It's really hard to argue. Yeah, but, you know, Dylan make... Cruz, Wyatt Langford, and Ethan Petrie. That's pretty good outfield. Enrique right Bradfield yeah. at Vanderbilt wasn't even first team All SEC in the outfield. Team, yeah. Goodness, and he could have been the DH, but Hunter Hines was the DH over him on the first team. So I mean, that's that. There's a lot at play here mm-hmm. as far as you know the Ferris Trophy goes. So how I, does that I would work? Have voted for uh, uh, can you have a position player be the DH on an all league team when he's not? Is not the DH on the team? Yeah, they they slant. Uh, so they so it's DH utility. Yeah, so it can be anybody, I guess. Well, it's kind of like you know, the all-purpose player over over Hines. And I would agree with that because the Alderman had a, a statistically superior year in everything except home runs, but he didn't. So like I said I would have given the, the award to Hall. I thought Hall deserved it. He's the best player on the best team, and and that carries some weight for me. The fact that State was. Nine and twenty-one in the conference, and Ole Miss is six and twenty-four in the conference, and Southern Miss is about to, you know, I guess they finished second in the Sun Belt with that loss on. Uh, they did on Friday, but but they're going to be playing postseason baseball. That carries some weight for me. Yeah, I do think Southern Miss fans have a legitimate gripe. I do, uh, especially when it's the the All American from a year ago who joined a better league, I say joined, his team joined a better league, and they made it harder on pitchers because of the pitch clock and the strike zones being tightened, and yet he's putting up the numbers that you mentioned before. Legitimate gripe. I do not agree with the people that are talking about how, like, Alderman did not, is not a deserving winner as well. So when we talked about this last week when the nominees came out, I said I would vote Hall. I would have, had had I been given one, easily. I mean, without even thinking about it, I would have voted for him. But to say that the numbers that Alderman put up are not deserving also, I think is a a little bit going too far on the other side. Southern Miss fans have a gripe, though. I mean, I I feel for them. I think they're perfectly, totally legitimate in thinking that their guy should have won that award today. Totally. Yeah, Jeff, I I think, phrases it pretty well on the ceasefire text line. He says, Tanner didn't get cheated. He didn't get screwed. But I do think they gave it to the wrong individual. But Kemp Alderman had a really great year. I I think that's that's almost like a take with nuance. Jeff, you're not allowed to do that on the text line. No. You you have to throw flames when you type that out. Um, Yes, 
I, I completely agree. Kemp Alderman was an exceedingly deserving winner. But if you feel like the wrong guy got the award, I think you are absolutely justified in feeling that. I will say, no, not, not, because that, that sounded like comma, but. Just period, end of sentence. New paragraph. Maybe even a new chapter. Kemp Alderman's career arc at Ole Miss is incredible. He went from country-strong kid from Decatur, Mississippi, that hits it a mile, but you better put it on a tee. If it moves at all. Because if it moves, if it's got a wrinkle, if it spins at all, forget about it. He'll swing at it, but he's not going to be within a foot of the of the of the pitch, of hitting the pitch, of making contact. And then last year he takes a really big step forward and he becomes a more disciplined hitter. And then this year, he's one of the most feared hitters in the SEC. Not necessarily the most feared, because you've got what, six or eight guys that had twenty home runs or more this year in the SEC. But Kemp Alderman was absolutely one of those players that every single time he stepped to the plate, you were afraid that the ball might leave his bat at 120 miles an hour and it might travel 450 feet. And if it happened to not have the trajectory to travel 450 feet, it might one-hop the wall by the time the center fielder takes about three steps. He blossomed from a spectacle to a guy that would not surprise a single person when he steps onto a major league field. Yeah. Yeah. And and really developed into a quality defender in the outfield. Certainly Good useful. Arm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I say quality. I think that's fair. I think he turned into a quality outfielder. He's definitely not, not a negative outfielder. defender. Definitely yeah. not. CC in Senatobia says most valuable player is supposed to go to the best player regardless of what the team does. It's not called MVPITDW, most valuable player if your team does well. That's from CC in Senatobia. I agree with that. Alexander should have won the MVP in the NBA then, too. How valuable can you be if your team isn't winning? I mean, Uh, is Kemp Alderman the difference between Ole is Kemp Alderman the difference between Ole Miss being six and twenty-four and three and twenty-seven? Maybe. I mean, what's the difference? Yeah, but it is—it's most outstanding college baseball player in Mississippi. That's what the award is. And congratulations to Tanner Hall for winning Sunbelt Conference Pitcher of the Year because that is absolutely deserved. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. A couple of follow-up texts on the C Spire text line from the conversation about the uh, the Ferris Trophy. Um. Dan in Hattiesburg says he's heard that the votes were cast before Tanner pitched on Thursday. I don't know. That wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but uh, I don't know. Maybe so. That's that's the the old. I mean, every year we have this issue with the with these trophies. The votes are getting. Remember, it was two years ago with the the Egg Bowl and 
Everybody had already voted for Corral, and people were like, what happens if Will Rogers has a big game? Whatever. Uh, Here's another one. He only got it because he played for Ole Miss. Here's the problem with that statement. If you were... If, if you missed when we were kind of going through this a few minutes ago, Kip Alderman was the first Ole Miss player to win this award since 2014. Wow. That's hard to think about. Austin Bousfield was the last Ole Miss player to win the Ferris Trophy. So the whole idea that he got it only because he played for Ole Miss is, eh, eh. Get another message that says, I think Alderman is the best player in Mississippi. Here's another one. Since the scouts determine the winner, just wait until the draft to see who has more value. Oh. And and another one. Put Alderman in the Sun Belt and he has better numbers. Put Hall in the SEC and he has worse numbers. Maybe. But if you can pitch, you can pitch. If you can hit, you can hit. Yeah, Tanner Hall would have been just fine in the SEC. Kip Alderman would have had stupid stupid numbers in the Sun Belt. Now, I'll give you that. I, I, I would agree that, that Kemp Alderman's numbers probably would have been better in the Sun Belt Conference than they were in the SEC this year. Um, I mean, if we're just being real here, Tanner Hall would have been Ole Miss's Friday night starter. Tanner Hall would have been and Mississippi State. State's Friday night starter. Yep. No question. Like, Tanner Hall might have been debate. the SEC. Might have been a Friday night starter almost school every school in the SEC except for LSU. Probably not at Tennessee. He would have been the Friday starter at Missouri. I don't know that he would have been the Friday starter at Arkansas. Auburn, yes. Who was who was Auburn's Arkansas's Friday night starter? Hunter Holland. He's really good. Oh. He's good, but uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe not. He wasn't supposed to be the Friday night starter. No, he would have been in the rotation at Arkansas without question. Yeah, yeah. Probably would have not been the Friday night starter at Florida. Yeah. South Carolina, I'd say yes. Kentucky, I'd say yes. Yeah. I mean, he, this maybe is a more legitimate question, and I'll give you the answer to it. How did Tim Elko not win the award last year? That's unbelievable. Well, the award was handed out following the regular season, not following the postseason. Yeah. I mean, if you included everything that Tim Elko did in a regional, super regional in the College World Series, yeah, he probably wins the award a year ago, but this is a regular season award. Oh, here's a good question. If Ole Miss had Tanner uh, Hall, would they still be playing? No. Now, if they had a healthy Hunter Elliott in Tanner Hall, yeah, then yes. Yeah. But no, you you just add one. They, they'd be playing on a high level. And that's not a shot at Tanner Hall. Just it, you adding one additional adding one. weekend pitcher is not taking them from six and twenty four to fourteen and sixteen. It, it, no, but but I mean the question is is it taking them from six and twenty four to eleven and nineteen? Because eleven would have gotten them in the tournament. Hoover. Well, would he would he have won five more game ones than they did? It's a good question. Yeah. Hmm. Had a brutal schedule, did Ole Miss. Doesn't excuse the record. But the SEC's pretty pretty miserable. Yeah. Um speaking of miserable, 
Mississippi State, in the last two years, has an SEC record of, what did you say, Borky, 18 and... 18 and 42. 42. As an aside, as an aside, Ole Miss has an SEC record over the last two seasons of 20 and 40. They just happen to have a national championship rolled in there as well. The previous two full seasons, 19 and 21, State was 40 and 20 in the conference. Oh, my goodness. Ay, ay, ay. That's hard to fathom. There's a big difference in winning 67% of your games and winning 30% of your games. That might be the biggest understatement you've ever had on this show. Thank you. And you know the thing that, that maybe is more concerning, e- even than 20 and 40 for Ole Miss over the last two seasons, is their home SEC record. They don't win at Swayze. No. At least not in the last two years. It's mind-boggling. It really is. And State hasn't had a ton of success at home over the last couple of seasons as well. No. I mean, when you talk about 18 yeah. total wins, I mean, that's, you know, thank you, Captain How Obvious. much can you have, yeah. 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 Um, Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Good to be with you. We've got winners and losers coming up. We will later on have a uh, recap of the cooking weekend since we were short on our stations on Friday. We'll talk some Polk's meat and a whole lot more. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. This is a place for crazy people. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Good to be with you on this Monday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. Man, this is the time of year. Late May, grass in bloom, not too... Flowers, shrubs in bloom, trees... In full foliage, grass plush. I think that's what I was trying to say. Uh, book your tea time at dancingrabbitgolf.com. You can learn more about Dancing Rabbit at pearlriverresort.com. Come join the premier collegiate wood bat league in the South as the Cotton States Baseball League is hosting its 15th season with games at BA Bank Park in June and in July. The deadline to register for college players has come and gone. But you've still got a little over a week, about 10 days actually, to register if you are a junior high or high school player. It's affordably priced, great facilities, great coaches, really good opportunity to compete and get reps against some of the best players in the region. All games at BNA Bank Park in New Albany. It's centrally located to some of the best players, as I said, in the region, including prospects at all levels. Application deadline for junior high and high school players is June 2nd. You can learn more about Cotton State's League if you follow them on their social media channels, Facebook and Twitter at Cotton State's League, or at their website, cottonstatesleague.com. 
Com. Be sure to take part of that this summer. It's time right now for winners and losers. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. What did you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? It is really just that simple. That's how we classify winners and losers. I'll give you a guy from Mississippi. He was not at the top of the leaderboard at the PGA Championship. That was Brooks Kepka. He earned $3.15 million. Second place, you had Scotty Scheffler and Victor Hovland. Tied for second at 7-under. They both won $1,540,000. Pretty good paycheck, as we were talking about earlier, for Michael Block, the PGA professional, who won $288,333 for finishing tied for 15th. But how about this guy? Tied for 26th, had a good PGA championship, Mississippi native Hayden Buckley. Buckley has just had a really, really solid season. In 2019... In official payouts for professional golf, Hayden Buckley won $9,240. In 2020, $14,490. Last year was a huge jump for Hayden Buckley when he won just shy of $1.3 million. And this year, we are through two of the majors. We still got the Opium Championship. We still got the U.S. Open. We still got a bunch of elevated events that are remaining. And after his $125,000 uh, check from the weekend, Hayden Buckley is up to $2,697,411 earned in professional golf in 2023. This is a guy that was grinding. What was it? Was it Fulton Country Club? Is that right, Borky? I believe so. I think it's Fulton Country Club. A little nine-hole track. Grinding. And it's really paying off for him. Such a cool story. Hayden Buckley. He's a winner. Hey, Dad, give me a winner. I'll give you two, even though they haven't officially won yet, but the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat are making mincemeat out of the two most storied franchises in the NBA. At least the Lakers have been somewhat competitive in these games, but the Nuggets have, have just shown that they're just the better basketball team uh, up and down the court. The Celtics, on the other hand, and much to my delight, are getting humiliated by the Miami Heat. If the Lakers were winning, I'd be on cloud nine. Um, the, the Heat culture is a real thing, and Jimmy Butler looks like a guy who, who doesn't want to be denied his first-ever title. You know, I'm sure the TV ratings, that discussion will happen. They won't be good. Who cares? That should be an outstanding uh, NBA final series between two really good teams with some great young players. It's almost like the NBA MVP award should have gone to uh, the Joker, maybe. The Joker is or very good. Jimmy Butler. I think she should have yeah. gone to Jamal Murray. That guy is oh, yeah. unbelievable in this series. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It, it will not be a huge television number, but that's okay. It happens. It happens. Fun games. Uh, I mean, yeah. really good games. Feels uh, like. Sidebar winner, uh, father time undefeated. Uh, LeBron, for the first time, is looking like yeah. he's... Looks he, vulnerable. He, he looks old. 
He's playing yeah. old. And, of, of course, I mean. You know is. what, Borky? The playoffs are such a grind. They are. He, he had to put the Lakers on his back in that series against the Grizzlies early on. And then who was the second-round opponent? Hey, Dan. The Warriors. Had to do it against the Warriors. And then don't forget, they had to climb out of a hole to get there. He couldn't cruise yeah. and rest during the regular yeah. season like other guys did because they were bad to start. And he missed yeah. a lot. He missed a lot of games because he was injured. But that's not rest at yeah. that point. You know, that's you know, you're working to get back. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's he's getting uh, get, getting up at the there. same time. I don't think the Lakers are going to win the series, but would it surprise us that much if LeBron had a couple of vintage games to make it interesting? No, it wouldn't surprise us. I mean, it's almost like there's a song that was written about him. Ain't as good as I once was, but as good once as I ever was. I mean, he he can he can do that once. He, he can still he can do it yeah. for a series. You're gonna I, have to do it tonight, or it's gonna be time to go home. I, I mean, look, you, you think about the NBA playoffs; they last like six months. Yeah. I mean, it is this long, competitive grind. The playoffs started, what, the first week of April? Second week of April? And we're not going to crown a champion until the first week of June? Yeah, it's like you know, these series should be over Tuesday night, and yet we'll have to wait, I think, until June 8th to start the finals. Wow. Yeah, Until June 8th? I think that's correct. No. You're going to get a gentleman's Because they plan for seven games. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you're going to get a gentleman's sweep with Lakers Nuggets. I think the Lakers are going to win game four. Uh, the Celtics are not going to win game four. No, the, the Heat are not having any of the Celtics. No. <laughs> they, are, they, they are not having that. They've got one foot on the airplane to Cancun already. I mean, they are the, the yeah. Celtics are out of here. They don't want to be there. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, Pete Golding's a winner, uh, walking around recruiting in his loafers and khakis and button-up shirts like he's a fifth-year Sigma Chi that for some reason still comes around the house, I guess. Uh, but his defense got better last week, uh, both via he's transfer. He's still inactive. He's still inactive somehow. But, uh, no, his defense got better last week. They, they needed desperately in this portal window defensive line help Desperately, and they've added three. They got the Georgia Tech transfer, uh, Akalo Stone, a uh, little less experienced than these other two, but they got Stephon Wynn, who is a sixth year. He's recorded stats in five college football seasons: Ford, Alabama, one at Nebraska, and then Isaac Ukwu, uh, the first team All Sun Belt defensive end from James Madison, committed to Ole Miss as well. They will—they're more than committed. They are going to Ole Miss. They're portal guys. They're on their way. Uh, and then also, he's cleaning up in high school recruiting in the state of Mississippi, it seems. Pete Golding uh, hasn't coached a game yet, so this is all you can say about him in May. Uh, but recruiting on the defensive side of the ball has changed since he's arrived at Ole Miss, and especially via transfer portal for this season. They needed those guys desperately, and they got them. Yeah. Five years of recorded stats, <laughs> and he's going to play for Ole Miss this year. That is, uh, uh, thank you, COVID, I suppose. But, yeah, five years of recorded stats. So, uh, you get experience, right? What do you think his 401K looks like? I imagine they've got pretty good 401K plans when you're in Tuscaloosa for four years. Yeah, probably so. Probably so. Uh, you can send us your winners and losers to the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395.
Um, Chad Ramey, by the way, was the one that yeah. grew up at mm-hmm. Fulton Country Club. We've talked to him before about just beating balls out there, and he liked it. Uh, Hayden Buckley grew up in Tupelo, actually, and then went to Missouri. He was a, I guess, product of the youth program at Tupelo Country Club. And uh, regardless, great story about Hayden Buckley. Um, as he continues to thrive on the PGA Tour, turned pro in 2018, and uh, he's got a couple of professional wins, one on the Corn Ferry Tour. Where'd the other one happen? Uh, had a Corn Ferry win. Oh, and a PGA Canada win as, as well back in, uh, in 2019. All right, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. And, of course, on your Super Talk Mississippi radio stations. We will continue winners and losers with you when we come back. Mississippi, your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Back with you, continuing winners and losers. You've got some good ones that are coming in on the C Spire text line. What did you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? Send them to this. Uh, send them to us if you uh, if you don't mind. We'd love to hear from you at six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. Brooks Kepka is a winner. Yeah, big time. He just won his fifth major championship. It was his third PGA. It was his. He's got two U.S. Opens as well. All of them have come since 2017. So he has won five majors in the last six years, with basically two years being taken away from him because of the injuries that he was dealing with. But, you know, he still kind of tried to play through it, whatever. So, okay, it happened. And he also has... Oh, I forgot. How many seconds... Is it four seconds or five seconds in that same time period? It's just an incredible run that Brooks Kepka has been on. And I feel like Kepka was not as um he was not vilified as much as some of the guys that left for live because he was just honest about it. Let's see, hold on a second. One, two, three, four. Yeah, so it's four second places and five wins in majors since 2017. That's yeah. pretty impressive stuff. And when he left, his game was in a bad place. It also. was. Yeah, it was. And if you watch the full swing documentary, you could tell that there was a crisis of confidence. There was doubt about whether he was ever physically going to get back. He said in one of the interviews with the, the folks at PGA Tour Radio over the weekend that January of this year was when he started really believing that he was fully back. He felt like he was healthy. He's won once on the Live Tour. I don't really feel like that should count toward the like total number of career wins that we're talking about, but whatever. That's not the debate. But he was honest about why he left. He wanted to go for more money. More money, less work. More money, less work, especially, you mentioned the documentary, especially for you old Miss and State fans that have some time on your hands now. 
uh, and you're a sports fan, you don't even have to like the sport of <laughs> golf. Watch it, though. It's well shot. It's well done. You get a peek. I mean, a, a real, not a peek behind the curtain. You live behind the curtain of what these mm-hmm. guys are really like. And, and you'll, it's the same thing with, um, oh gosh, I watched it and I for, I, I'm forgetting what it's called. The Formula One documentary, Drive to Survive. Uh, I, I don't watch Formula One racing. I was hooked on that show. So check it out. He thought he was done. He thought he was washed. And now he's not. And you guys know me. I'm not one of those, the sport is better when these when that program is good, guys. This weekend was more enjoyable because Brooks Kepka was in contention. His game, his demeanor, he's kind of polarizing. You know, he's he, he pretends like he's he's too cool to care, but after watching that documentary, you know he deeply, deeply cares, and he works as hard as anybody works. And the the combination of power and finesse and putting is special. And seeing him at the top of his game is just a joy to watch. He was awesome yesterday. I don't think he cares that much about non majors, though. Probably not. But in I terms mean, of I, golf, I, he, itself, he wants to. Yeah, he wants to go out there and play well enough to make sure that he's getting a check when he plays in them. But I mean, think about it. They, so he and his wife Jenna Sims announced. This week that they're having a baby, and then he went out and won the PGA Championship. It's a pretty good week for uh, for Brooks Kepka. Any other winners we need to throw in? I've got some others, but some of them are covered in our, our text messages, so I'll hold off. I've got two losers. Uh, the aforementioned Boston Celtics. It's one thing to get beat. The Lakers are just they, the Lakers have run into a better team, and they're competitive. They're just losing the games. Boston quit yesterday, and, and hearing. Just Chuck and Shaq roast them on that desk. I thought was so refreshing in media because they they had a Heat player. I can't remember who it was on the desk, and, and the guy was like, you know, you know they're gonna they're, you know they're gonna fight back, and this is a really good, well coached team. And Barkley says, you need to go back and watch the tape. Did you did you play in the same game that we just watched? No, they're not. They're not well coached. They don't mm-hmm. care. I mean, just and it was right. It was awful to watch. The Celtics quit in the Eastern Conference Finals. They quit and that's embarrassing also Victor Hovland it's it's one thing but that decision to not just lay it up out of the bunker cost him the tournament hit it right into the face and that 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 was the end of the tournament right there Brooks was also in the rough now he ended up hitting a great shot man that's Victor Hovland played good golf yesterday putting him on your losers list that is a tough grade because of that one decision though just play for par in that spot because the next tee shot Brooks hit behind the trees remember in that, in that spot, knowing what Corey Connors did yesterday in the exact same spot, knowing that the guy you're chasing is also off the fairway, lay it up to your number, play for par, and try to fight over the last few holes. Instead, he hit it into the face of the bunker, and that was ball game. He ended the tournament right there by taking a decision that didn't pay off for another guy on top of the leaderboard the day before in the identical spot. You didn't have to take that risk there. He played great, but that was the difference between Brooks and him yesterday. Yeah. Hey, Daddy, any losers? Are you feeling generous today? I'm kind of feeling generous today. Nothing's standing out for me. Okay. Ceasefire text line. Michael Blankenblock, winner. Okay. Succinct. Winner, William Carey University. They are headed to the NAIA World Series. How about this record? 48-9. and 
And their head coach, Bobby Halford, is two wins away from 1,300 in his career, all at William Carey. Uh, yes, that's winner by definition. Derek and Greenwood, winner, Ole Miss baseball fans. The bleeding is over for now. Loser, Mississippi State. We both suck, so why not? LOL. Clearly, Derek and Greenwood, uh, <laughs> Derek and Greenwood a state fan. Uh, you know uh, what? I'll allow it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dan and Hattiesburg, winner. Foo Fighters for naming a new drummer, Josh Fries. All right. See him in a few weeks. Uh, winner, that guy at Ole Miss that stole three bases at one time. Was that Peyton Chatagne last year? That video like, randomly goes viral every so often, so maybe. Yeah, I think that was I think that was like last year against Alcorn State, Peyton Chatagne. But sure, we'll allow it. Uh, Calvin and Tupelo, Mississippi State is a winner. Tolu is coming back. I was saving that. I figured we would we would have a whole segment on that one. That's why I didn't bring it up yet. We we will. We absolutely will. Okay. Uh, everybody says the finals are starting on June 1st, not June 8th. Winner, uh, this is one that I was going to get to, but I decided to hold off because Bubba and Starkville submitted it. Winner, USM naming Coach Oz as their skipper. No doubt. Bubba also not uh, pleased with some of the antics of the Mississippi baseball, uh, Mississippi State baseball team. He says, loser MSU baseball, shirts off, tongues out, and they lost. At least back that crap up. Okay. Winner, Danny Lynch, two grand slams in one day. Dwayne in Brandon, winner, Sports Talk, Mississippi, he's back. I guess he's talking about Michael Borky. There you go. Yeah. I never left, though. Literally did not leave the area. Just didn't come to work for three days. Good for you. Staycation, I guess, is what the people call it. I think that's what it's called, yes. Uh, Ray in Long Beach, winner. Mississippi Gulf Coast Sportfish that destroyed my lure and broke my line Saturday morning. Never saw him, but will tell the story that he must have been huge. Loser, same fish for not ending up in my kayak. But what's the um what's the return where that fish ending up in your kayak actually might have made you a loser? If it was that big? You see the video of that tiger shark that attacked the dude's kayak? And then the other video of the killer whales deciding maybe we want people to? Two guys on a small boat. I I forget what country. It was icy water, just ice everywhere. And a killer whale let them know that I could kill you if I wanted to right now. Mm. I mean, just like heart-sinking stuff, both of those videos. Yeah, they're generally not interested in people, though. No, but mm. could I saw I saw a video on Twitter today of somebody out in a boat, and I guess they were in South America somewhere, and anaconda just runs up along the side, doesn't doesn't notice them, just keeps on going, but like a twenty foot snake just. Mm. Hey, if you're looking for your next human. guys trip, uh, hey Dad. You can go down and, and get guided. The South American jungle? Thought, no, you can go to Florida in the Everglades and take guided hunts to, to go catch some uh, some pythons. So 
some Burmese. They, they're they're catching seventeen right footers here. down there. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm good. Can One, you just shoot them from a distance? Well, they're so camouflaged, you got to walk right up on them. And then the joy is uh, catching them right behind the head. Yeah. Wait. What what what's joyful about catching a python that's seventeen feet long behind its head? Hey, I don't know. If you're insane, Ugh. we'll be back. If it's happening in Mississippi sports, you'll hear about it first right here. Sports Talk Mississippi. What are you chuckling about, Mr. Haydad? Uh, that video I mentioned, I sent it to uh, Will East, and his reaction was exactly what I expected it to be. Mm. I sent him a snake emoji the other day, and his response yeah. was not particularly good. Uh <laughs> Uh, Ceasefire text line, best song of all time on the intro there. Wow, that's a bold statement. I like that song, but that's a very good statement. song. Mm-hmm. It's a good song. Heard, <sighs> heard you listening to a Python Hunter video during the break. Yeah, yeah. I was just learning a little bit more about the, the hunt. Yeah. Hunting it, of... You know how that happened, right? There was a like a breeding there, there, facility. There are a couple of theories that got hit by a hurricane. Yeah, Hurricane Andrew back in 1992. But the problem with that, at least based on the story that I read, is that nobody confirmed where the facility actually was or what it was actually called. I don't know if it's just a story that's yeah. made the rounds and has become truth through the years or or what. But or just dumb people that released their snakes that got too big because you buy them when they're a foot long and then they grow to 15 feet long and you got nowhere to put it so they think huh put it in the swamp and then it lays 100 eggs drive over to the everglades and kills all it. the deer and raccoons and everything else that makes a ecosystem thrive yeah imagine that yeah. it's like goldfish don't release your gold if, if you have a pet goldfish or, or little timmy has a pet goldfish and he's not taking care of it don't go put it in a Mississippi waterway. Don't do it. Try That's to rehome it on Facebook or something. But goldfish do damage to existing ecosystems. Don't do it. Do they really? Yeah. There's your tip of the day. They so breathe don't flush like crazy. It down the toilet? Well, if it's dead, you can flush it. Don't just flush a living animal down the toilet to rid of it. This guy. Flushing? Are you flushing live fish down the toilet? No, I'm not. But I'm just saying, if you need to get rid of a goldfish, well, use Facebook and say, "Hey, that dead, feels, who cares? That feels far more humane. You're going water to water. What, but what the, for a little water? While. Yeah, I mean, I yes, so, no, I understand. I, I, I yes, thank you. I understand how plumbing works. Yeah, but no, yeah, seriously, goldfish can do damage to local ecosystems if you. But that's them. a good way to. That's a good way to. Uh, Keep from doing damage to the ecosystem. 
or just take it. The pet stores will take them for free. Just if you if little Timmy's not taking care of his fish, just take it back to the store. They'll take it and resell it like anything I, else. I agree with this guy. Feed it to the cat. You can do that too. Cat so that's like, humane. I mean, it's not necessarily about being humane as much as it is protecting. They have a two-second memory. They'll already, it's already forgotten from the time you drop them. They're fine. Don't fish have feelings, too? Uh, fish are food, not friends. Mm. Fish are friends, not food. No, I, I got to go the other way. How dare you? The Giants did that. That's what they tweeted this weekend after they uh, took two or three from the Marlins. <laughs> hmm. All right, uh, let's see here. Let's do this. SEC Baseball Postseason Awards. Player of the Year. You want to guess? Have you looked already? I'll give you one guess. Yeah. Uh, yes, Player of the Year, Dylan Cruz. Pitcher of the Year, Paul Skeens. Freshman of the Year. You remember us having this debate back in, like, mid-April? And we thought it was Ethan Petrie based on the fact that he was a true freshman and Charlie Condon was a redshirt freshman. Freshman of the year, Charlie Condon from Georgia. The numbers bear it out. He did it for an entire season. Hit 393 with an 816 slugging percentage, 25 home runs, 47 runs batted in, struck out only 45 times in 206 at bats with 33 walks. All of his numbers were better than Petrie's. Not by a lot. Petrie had a great season. So good, in fact, that he was named a first-team All-SEC outfielder. So here was your SEC first-team All-SEC. Cole Messina from South Carolina, the catcher. Jack Caglione at first. Cade Kerland at second. Both of them Florida Gators. Kerland, a true freshman. Tommy White, the uh, NC State transfer to LSU at third. It's obviously based on his offense and not his defense. Josh Rivera from Florida at short. Three outfielders, Dylan Cruz. Wyatt Langford from Florida, Ethan Petrie, South Carolina, your two starting pitchers. Paul Skeens from LSU, Hagen Smith from Arkansas, Brandon Neely, who, remember, was suspended for a few games uh, from Florida as the reliever, and Hunter Hines as the DH-slash-utility player. So Hunter Hines, the only first-team player from Mississippi. Second team, three Ole Miss players there. Calvin Harris is the catcher. Charlie Conant at first for Georgia, though he ended up playing a bunch of outfield. Melian Petrie from uh, Kentucky at second. Luke Mann and Bryson Ware tied. Uh, same number of votes at third. Jacob Gonzalez at short. Your three outfielders, Kemp Alderman, Ole Miss, Enrique Bradfield, Vanderbilt, Andrew Pinckney, Alabama, Jared Dickey, Tennessee. Pinckney and Dickey tied. The uh, other two pitchers, Devin Futrell and Brandon Sprout from Vandy and Florida, respectively. Nick Baldonado, uh, the relief pitcher from Vanderbilt, and Kendall Diggs from Arkansas, the DH utility player. And then uh, Dakota Jordan named to the SEC All-Freshman team. And neither Ole Miss nor Mississippi State had a player that was on the SEC All-Defensive team this year. So, there you go. Imagine that. State didn't have anybody on the All-Defensive team. Who could have possibly guessed such a thing would happen? If you're going to make an argument for one Mississippi State player to be on the defense All-SEC defensive team, who would it be? Colton Ledbetter, maybe. He's pretty solid in center this year. Okay. Okay. But, I mean, the, uh, I wouldn't make that argument. Yeah, the outfielders, there was a tie they had to break. So it was Enrique Bradfield from Vandy. Yep. Dylan Cruz from LSU. Yep. Tavian Josenberger from Arkansas and Cason Howell from Auburn. 
Who would the argument be at Ole Miss? Jacob Gonzalez? Yeah. For all defensive? Yeah. 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 What about the all offensive team? Not offense, but offensive. Both teams with their play. Just literally offensive watching that. Ole Miss can be the first team and State can be the second team. (laughs) Done. First team all offense. I will. I'll, I'll, I'll do y'all a favor, and at short, we'll put Lane Forsyth there Aww. on the first team. Mm. Man, what a year, right? Wow. I mean, think about the conversations we were having in January, and now we're sitting here on May twenty second. Uh, I mean, we knew that that Hoover for the show wasn't really going to be a thing, you know, a week or two ago, but the fact that. It's still, we've talked about this for weeks, so maybe it's getting repetitive, but the last two national champions did not qualify for their conference tournament. Didn't qualify for their conference tournament. Had to finish in the top 12 of 14. It's really depressing. It's horrible. And, you know, I was talking to a couple of buddies over the weekend, and and one was like, "Man, it's just injuries. That's all it was." And I said, "No, that is not. That wow. was not Ole Miss's. It was not their problem. It was part of it. Certainly made it look worse. Hunter Elliott being back would have helped. That so that's part of it. But you're not six and twenty four because of injuries, exclusively. Anyway, they've got to retool some things at Ole Miss, Mississippi State. I get. I mean, I guess." Lamonis is returning, I, I guess. We haven't gotten the statement of confidence yet. I don't think he gave any uh, kind of statement. Yeah. I mean, the only if you get a statement about Lamonis is that it's that he's it's not back. He's been removed. Well, yeah. But yeah. so but why not? I mean you see you've seen others do it. Old Miss did it with Kermit Davis, basically like, hey, he's coming back, here's why. And part of that release. Yeah, but all was, that is is all that is is it, it puts you under the gun. There's, there's no need to. Do, I mean, he knows he's under the gun. He knows what that next year has to be. There's no need to release a statement that says he's back or that or anything like that. You know, don't you think if, it would if, be if, smart? In, though? In the next statement, MSG, no, I don't. To, no. to get people to stop talking <laughs> about it, or at least leak, the leak it around. to the media guys. Hey, you know, nah. coach will return. I, we. We already know at this point, but I would tell you the opposite is true. If you make a statement, then you're going to have everybody saying, why? Why is he coming back? Why are we doing this again? No. Just the next statement MSU Baseball should release is the pitching coach has been hired and here's his name. Hmm. Which should be in about three to four weeks. Herschel asked if we heard what Coach Bianco publicly said to Coach Barry at the presentation today. I did not, but I would love to. Mike in Oxford, by the way, said that the funniest thing he heard at the presentation today was Lamonis asking Bianco if he wanted to come over to the pool and watch the SEC tournament. <laughs> I mean, that let's laugh to keep from crying. That that's you know, it's funny. We need an SEC tur- the SEC network needs to get a camera over to Lamonis's house if that's the case, and those two just sitting there. You can do coach's film room. Yeah, with those two guys. Mm. Nah. This is a horrible idea. I'm just sad just thinking about it. Yes. Um, but no, Herschel, I did not. I, I mean, I'm assuming that whatever he said was was kind. Mike Bianco thinks a lot of Scott Berry. 
I mean, if you're, if you're just making me guess, I'm guessing that he said something like, hey, you guys go win it all this year. But uh, if you, if you got a transcript, love to hear it. Sports Talk Mississippi, we'll be back with you after this. On the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. All right, so we officially got the news that Tolu Smith is returning to Mississippi State basketball. We thought that was going to be the case for a week or so. We've kind of thought that was going to be the case since he declared that he was going to go through the draft process and get some feedback. It is now officially the case, and that's a big deal for... Chris Jans and Mississippi State basketball. Yeah, I mean, State is now the only team in the conference that will bring back all five starters. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you're bringing back all five starters from a tournament team a season ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You added a really good piece in the transfer portal in Andrew Taylor. You added one of the top junior college players in the country in Trey Fort. You added the number one player in Mississippi in Josh Hubbard. Fort and Hubbard and Taylor are three guys that can provide you with the one thing you were truly lacking a season ago, and that's outside scoring. Um, you return a couple of other key bench pieces. Will McNair did, in fact, go into the transfer portal today, as we all expected. We knew it was going to be either or with him and Tolu. This is a team that should start the season possibly ranked. They're definitely going to be one of the top five teams in the SEC, I would think. Um, and then it's just a question of you know how good can they be. Nobody, nobody will be taking them lightly this year. You know, this is a year where people will come in and expect Mississippi State to win basketball games, which is great. You know, it's been too long since they've had expectations over there. Um, first year of the the newly renovated hump, everything should be good to go in, in that in that re- remark. Never be ready on time. So uh, yeah, I believe <laughs> somebody's been reading message boards. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it should be should be a uh, a fun season for for Mississippi State uh, Mississippi State basketball to get a player like that back. Uh, is, is is always a great thing, and uh, to overcome what apparently, if if you believe some Kentucky media members, was some out and out tampering by the University of Kentucky. Uh, yeah, good job by Mississippi State to get him back. What kind of tampering? What were they doing? I think they were reaching out. I mean, you've got a Kentucky media member last night saying that. Totally returning to Mississippi State. That's a potential uh, transfer portal target for the. And he wasn't in the portal. He just came out. And they just they said the quiet part out loud that he was a potential target for them. How could he have been a potential target if he's not in the portal? So was that if from KSR? Yes. Was it Matt Jones that said that, or somebody else that worked? It was for not. Him? Somebody else. Somebody else. I, I, okay. I got. I, I, I quote tweeted him. Uh, where is he here? Great radio, I know. Uh, Brandon Ramsey is the guy's name. Never heard of him. Might not ever again. Covers. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah. It's not surprising, though. Not not surprising at all. And, of course, Kentucky would have plausible deniability. And they'd be like, oh, that's what a media guy said. Maybe that was his opinion. We're playing by the rules. Yeah. We know what the rules are. Come yeah, on. He used the word we. So Yeah, well, there you go. There you go. It does, you know, I, I don't know about this specific case, although I have a, a really strong guess. Everybody bemoans the existence of NIL. I mean, people with large platforms bemoan the idea of NIL. But think about what this does for somebody like, like Tolu. In years past, players like him have decided to go ahead and go pro. And a player like him at this current stage in, in his development, would have maybe gotten on a G League team, likely ended up overseas. Instead, he can stay in school under a good coach, hopefully start developing more of a mid and outside range game, I assume get a master's degree at this point, and still get paid. So he doesn't have to go move to Turkey to make money while still developing. So for all the negative and downside and stuff that that NIL has gotten reaction from people, stories like his are good for college sports. Him getting to stay in college and stay in school and still get paid and get a degree and develop his game while not having to move to a foreign country is a great thing for college sports. I mean, State has two examples of it, right? DJ Stewart and Iverson Molinar. Neither one of those guys are in the NBA. They both probably would have benefited from another year at State. If nothing else, State would have benefited from another year. But you didn't have the Bulldog initiative then. Now you And, and, I mean, let's just be real. Tolu Smith's game doesn't fit the NBA. No, doesn't. Not not today's NBA. I mean, if we're just being honest, the the style of play... I hope that's something they, they talk about, because I remember Lawrence Roberts, when he came back for his senior year, taking a lot of perimeter shots, taking outside mid range jumpers, and that was not his game. Somebody's going to make sure to tell Tolu, "Hey, keep doing what you do. Don't, don't try to show off for the NBA when that's not your game." Well, unless you promised him that you were going to try and utilize him in a way that would make him more attractive to the NBA in order to get him back, that that's to me seemed like a bad decision. Pudding. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. I understand, but you know how these things work. So we'll uh, I see. Do, I but do. on the surface, Tolu Smith back to Mississippi State, really big deal, and. Are we actually trending toward basketball season being fun and engaging next year? Yep. All right. The best. The best. Sports talk in the state. The best thing. Say that again. We the best on three. One, two, three. We the best. Sports talk Mississippi. Super talk Mississippi. Hours Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Don't forget, cool events coming to Pearl River Resort this summer, including Jeff Foxworthy and Fluffy, if you like comedians, and uh, Sawyer Brown, uh, Brown Band. Uh, for all of those events, you can buy tickets online at pearlriverresort.com. Just go to the events page and click on that, and you will be all set. So uh, good stuff coming uh, there to Pearl River Resort. Ceasefire text line is open, 
800-259-4395. Whether you're looking for the best in wireless, the best in home internet, like fiber to the home, or the best in business IT services, C Spire's got your back right here in C Spire country. Learn more online at cspire.com. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. You can find them in men's specialty stores all across the Magnolia State, like Harry Mayer in Meridian, Landry's on the Square in Oxford, S.F. Aldman in Gulfport, Smith & Company in Greenwood, and Steve's on the Square in Philadelphia. Genteel will help you look your best. They've got shirts and quarter zips and pants and shorts. I love the shorts. I've told you that a bunch of times. Best shorts I've ever worn. They look good, but they feel they, they feel more like athletic shorts, but have the uh, the look of a nicer pair of uh, dress shorts. They're just the right length. You're going to love them. Gentileapparel.com. Enter your email address and receive 10% off your first order from Genteel. Genteel, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. So, what do you say we get to a little college football fix? That's one thing. I, I love Borky, and I'm glad he's back. But Will plays the CBS song, and I just like no, it so much. No, I think it's banned. The, the, it's banned nah, from the show. It's not, nah. I, I no, it. ah. Their like college so football better. fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough 46 straight years. That's how long the F-150 is the best-selling truck in America. Test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. A new day, a new list. Although this time it's not so much a list as it is a formula or an algorithm that generates a list or a ranking or something like that. This time, strength of schedule. Strength of schedule for college football. With a twist, though. So it's not your typical strength of schedule. This isn't the FPI or the S&P Plus. Like, for example, the number one team on here... Strength of schedule in the FPI is like number 16. But according to this formula, it's number one. And this formula is? The R-E-M-S-O-S. And no, like I said on the the notes. That's me in the spotlight. Yeah. Yeah, that's why all those uh, five-star recruits would go to Georgia before NIL, (laughs) because they they love the fact that R-E-M recorded albums there. So. Wasn't expecting Richard to to break out in the song. If you that believe song. they put a man on the moon, man on yeah. Anyway, man so, on the so moon. So try to to try to simplify it as much as I can. Uh, the REM SOS is basically how difficult the schedule would be for an average college football team. And I, they they factor that in based on win expectancy and probably all you know all the. All the nerd stuff that they do. And they came out with this strength of schedule. So the most difficult schedules in the sport based on how the average college football team would do against that schedule. Okay. Uh, Number 25, Wisconsin with the 25th most difficult REM man-on-the-moon schedule of 2023. 
Number 24 on the list, Mississippi State. Okay. Non-conference games against Western Michigan, Southern Miss, Arizona, and help, help, the other one. Season up. Southeast Louisiana. Thank you. Seva. All right. Ohio State, number 23, Georgia Tech, Michigan. Let's just do the SEC teams. Uh, so Mississippi State at 24, Missouri at 20, Alabama at 18. If Georgia pops up on the, this list, I'm throwing my computer, by the way, Borky. <laughs> Texas A&M at 16, LSU at 15, Kentucky at 13, Texas at 12, semi-SEC. Uh, South Carolina at 11, Tennessee at 8, Arkansas at 6, includes a non-conference home game against BYU, Auburn at 5, Auburn's got to go on the road to Cal, mm-hmm. Florida at 3, season opener on the road at Utah, season ender, home against Florida State. They play five teams that could, that could be in the college football playoff. Yeah, things could get dicey there. Quickly, too. The number one most difficult schedule in all of college football, the Ole Miss Rebels. They play Alabama. plus Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's all you need to say. A road trip to Tulane because of Tulane's record a year ago also weighs heavily in a formula like this. Yeah. So it's it's Mercer, Tulane, Georgia Tech, and who was the fourth? Louisiana Monroe. ULM. Uh, second to last week of the year. Okay. Um, Ole Miss is one of two teams in the country that plays Georgia, Alabama, and LSU. Auburn is the other. <sighs> Ole Miss and Auburn both in the top five. So that – and we'll – talk about this often this summer, especially when it gets closer to the season and expectations and things like that. Uh, I've heard, I don't know how many Ole Miss fans actually feel this way, but I've heard from some that say anything less than 9-3 and three with what they're paying Kiffin is a failure. And I thought, no, not with this schedule. I understand that last November was a disaster, both on the field and off the field. And I understand that Keith Carter has doubled the recruiting budget, uh, provided more money for support staff than he ever has, paying him $9 million, paying a defense coordinator $2 million. However, that doesn't change the fact that they have a schedule that let's just pretend for a second that Ole Miss hits the over by half a game. They go 8-4. and four. You cannot say that that is a not successful season. I don't think you can. Considering defensive personnel, I know Regardless they had a guy's looks just eight period. If they get to eight with this schedule, you you can't look at that negatively. Now, if there's another November like last year where there's job flirtation, it, it, all that crap happens again, well then, then we'll have a different conversation. But in terms of football results, when you've got to go to Athens instead of having Kentucky at home, for example, changes things. Auburn's not being coached by Brian Harson anymore. Joking aside about Hugh Freeze, they got better at head coach. That's for sure. 
and you have to go there. You blew an opportunity at home against Mississippi State last year. You have to go there. Yeah, the, the, the path to eight wins for Ole Miss is your four non-conference games, winning the Egg Bowl, which is on the road, beating Arkansas, beating Vanderbilt, and beating Auburn on the road. That, that's the that's the path to eight. And then anything beyond that, you know, the probably the if you are looking at a path to nine, it would be those eight plus Texas A and M, which is at home. And then anything beyond that, you're talking about you're beating either. Well, that's not right. Um, who am I forgetting about? Oh, your, your path to ten means you're beating LSU, Georgia, or Alabama. If Ole Miss were to win 10 games this year, that means they beat one of those three teams. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, theoretically, you could In all win all three of those games and lose two others. And but, but you know, if you're ranking them in terms of how do you get there? It's your four non-conference so games: Auburn, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, and then A and M. I mean, I guess you could swap, depending on how the season flows, A&M for Arkansas or Auburn, maybe. But A&M would be nine. And then if you get to ten, that means you won one of LSU, Alabama, or Georgia. Two of those three three are on the road. The thought of Ole Miss beating Alabama, Georgia, and LSU and losing to Vanderbilt, Georgia Tech, and Mississippi State really makes me laugh. Hugh Freeze kind of did something like that happen. with Memphis. Freeze would, would you take, to have some would you take like that. that season? If you're an Ole Miss fan, you damn well better. You beat three of the top five. Jeez. Yes, you should take it. Do you know how frustrating a year that would be? Yes. yes. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi to the junction in the grove and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Borky missed such an opportunity there. Hey, Dan, I was just convinced that we were going to come back from the break and we were going to hear, that's great, it starts with an earthquake, birds and snakes and airplanes, Lenny Brucet. Yeah, we didn't get there. And could, could have gone some REM, that's all right. Yeah. That's all right. A, I, I, okay. I, I received an important phone call. I, I would have, mm-hmm. maybe, would have thought about well, that. Well, we both get a phone call during the, uh, during the break. I tell the D1, guy I'll call him back because you know don't have time. D one baseball's latest NCAA regional projection is out. We're still interested enough to do that, right? Well, because Southern Miss. Yes, obviously yeah, we, because Southern we'll Miss. But read off that, the one that we care about and we'll go from there. Well, let's talk uh, some NFL uh, or anything else. Mar- Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I don't know. Hmm. Wake Forest, the number one. You may just like jump to the punchline. Yeah. Uh, Let's start there. I, okay. 
Well, hold on now. we got to set the table to get to this. Hang on a second. Because there's some changes this week. So, Wake Forest still the number one overall. Florida moves to the number two overall. They are the one seed in the SEC tournament. Arkansas is the number three seed. LSU the four. The five is Stanford. The six is Clemson. Vanderbilt is the seven. Somehow hanging on to that spot. How? How? Well, they won two this weekend. I guess. Virginia is the eight. Kentucky the nine. Coastal Carolina ten. Miami 11, Auburn 12, Oklahoma State 13, Alabama 14, Boston College 15, and Texas is number 16. That is seven SEC host sites with four top eight seeds, Florida, Arkansas, LSU, and Vanderbilt, and ten total bids, Texas A&M in as a three-seed Tennessee and South Carolina as two seats. So which which top 16, according to this projection, will host Southern Mississippi? The Alabama Crimson Tide. So Alabama, what are they, 10th in the RPI right now? Something like that, yeah. They didn't just jump into hosting. They jumped up to number 14 after their uh, the, the 14 overall seed after their sweep of Ole Miss in the final weekend of the regular season. Alabama as the one seed in Tuscaloosa. Southern Miss as the two. Arizona State as the three. Samford as the four. It's incredible to me that Mississippi State took two from Arizona State. Mm. Uh, it feels like uh, forever and a day ago, though. It does. It does. But according to like based that on regional this, for Southern Miss, uh, yeah, that, that's a good draw. And uh, but 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 that means you got to throw Tanner Hall game one. Yeah. There's there's no holding Tanner yes. Hall for a second yeah. game possibly with Alabama. And they've played Alabama this year, and Alabama blew them out in a midweek game. That was a very yeah. surprising result. That, I think that came right after State had taken two of three from Alabama, and I was thinking, okay, Southern will get them here. That'll be a good win on their resume. But instead, Alabama played really, really well. And right before Alabama's coach allegedly started betting against his own team. Uh, can they move into the, the money question here is can they move into the top 16 this week? Or do you think that because of uh, not how far back they are, because they're seemingly not that far back according to the projections, is it too little too late for them? Or can they make that move into the top 16 this week? Yes, they can. So you have Texas as a 16, the last one in. That feels precarious. The Big 12 has been weird this year in baseball. I mean, if Texas wins the Big 12 tournament, obviously they're in good shape. If Texas lays an egg in the Big 12 tournament, they could easily bounce out of that spot. Now, obviously, Borky, this is based on Southern Miss making a deep run in the Sun Belt tournament. Yeah. Probably to the championship game, if not needing to win it. I wonder if and I always always worry about that because, you know, we always I always feel like that a lot of the work is done on these brackets before the final days. And so it could be a situation where Southern Miss wins the Sun Belt and the, and they've already penciled in Coastal Carolina as a host. Well, Coastal Carolina is going to be a host regardless. 
Well, I mean, I'm just wondering if they'll get two. So. Coastal Carolina, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Coastal Carolina is 13 in the RPI, and they won the regular season in the league. Yeah. I mean, I, I think falling from, what, the number 10 overall seed to not hosting would be crazy for Coastal Carolina. But who knows? You know, what's interesting is Campbell, by the way, is trying to get into the hosting fold. They have submitted a bid, apparently, and they're they're going to use their non-on-campus venue. They're going to use a different venue to satisfy, I guess, number of seats or whatever. Seating and lights and all that stuff. Yeah. But they're going to try. Good for them. They should try. Yeah, they are, but they're not going to get it. I mean, they're at 21... In the RPI, they play in the Big South. I mean, they're going to be in the tournament regardless. Like, oh, yeah. they, don't, they don't have to win the conference tournament to get in, but they're, they're not going to host. Um, all right, so Texas is, you know, Boston College at 15. Boston College is also at 15 in the RPI. If they go quickly in the ACC tournament, that could tumble in a hurry. Um. It's not just ones you got to root against, right? It's like, do you have to, if you're a Southern Miss fan, you got to root against UConn, right? You, you want them to get bounced early, too. Because if you, let's say, Southern Miss loses on Wednesday and UConn wins all, all week, you know, could that be something that changes? Like, there are two seeds that could jump Southern Miss with an early exit, too, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's possible. Um, you got Southern Miss currently at 28 in the RPI, UConn at currently at 25 in the RPI. Overall, let's see, strength of schedule, Southern Miss is at 46, UConn is at 85, so there's pretty significant advantage there. Sunbelt is a better league than the Big East by pretty fair amount, actually. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, are, are you just playing for one of those last couple of spots, or is there, there more to it? And, and as we've said before, right, doesn't happen in a vacuum. Never does. Texas is at twenty three in the RPI. They went fifteen and nine in the uh, in the Big Twelve. They closed it out with a sweep against West Virginia. That was a huge weekend for Texas. And I guess they replaced West Virginia in the uh, the host spot because West Virginia had been projected to host a regional, and now they are a two seed. Where? In Charlottesville at Virginia. Well, that's a big difference in hosting and having to go to the number eight national seed. It's playing really well. Um, so that'll all sort itself out. We'll know a week from today. A week from today, we get the uh, the regional selections. We'll know what it looks like and where everybody's going. It's exciting. You're trying, aren't you? I'm trying, man. I, I am. Uh, I'm still looking forward to doing our, if you guys want to anyway, doing the Ole Miss and State fans, since you have nothing to watch over the next few weeks, here's what we recommend you check out on TV. I, I want to do that segment with, with some sad music in the background, like, everybody hurts. You know what I mean? Something like that. Play. Play the reins of Castamere. Yeah. It's in the background. Something just like the, that. Yeah, that's all we need. Just fire off some show wrecks because most of you aren't watching baseball. Dave disagrees with me. He said, how do you move up, talking about Alabama, 
sweeping Ole Miss this year. That has to be a joke. And I said, well, it's, it still wins in the SEC, overall record, consecutive wins, et cetera. And he said against a team that has very little of that on the road as well, sorry, not buying it, it's SEC bias. Well, it's also where Alabama is overall and what their entire record looks like. Alabama is currently number 12 in the RPI with a number 14 strength of schedule. They are 38 and 17 overall. They have zero quad four losses. They've got nine wins against what are considered to be quad one teams. And they've closed the regular season on an absolute heater. They've won five straight in the SEC and seven of their last nine. I mean, that's closing strong. That included two out of three against Vanderbilt, two out of three on the road against Texas A&M, and a sweep of Ole Miss at home. I mean, you can only play your schedule. And in the SEC, they went 16 and 14. And 16 and 14 in the SEC most years is a hosting resume, especially when you go with an RPI that's in the top 15 and a strength of schedule that's in the top 20. I mean, the, the body of work for Alabama is that of a host. It just is. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports. On your radio and in the game. Super Talk Mississippi. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hangman is coming down from the gallows and I don't have very long. Fire text line has been, when was the last time that both Ole Miss and Mississippi State missed the SEC tournament in the same year? I have your answer. The SEC baseball tournament began in 1977. From 1951 until 1976, the division winners played a best-of-three series to determine the SEC champion and the representative for the NCAA tournament. The tournament began in 1977, and from 1977 until 1986, four teams made the tournament. From 1977 until 1985, the tournament site alternated between winners of the West and the East, During those seasons, Florida hosted it in every even-numbered year, and Mississippi State hosted in every odd-numbered year, except 1985, when LSU supplanted Mississippi State atop the SEC West. In 1986, they eliminated division play and played a full round-robin schedule of 27 games. So there were 10 teams in the SEC in that time. The team with the best regular season conference record earned the right to host. That was LSU in 1986. And 1986 is the only time in any format that both Mississippi State and Ole Miss have missed the tournament altogether. From 87 to 91, 
Six of the ten teams in the league made the tournament. In 92... One year only, there was an eight-team SEC tournament. 93, 94, 95. Hey, Dad, you probably remember this. There was an Eastern Division tournament and a Western Division tournament. And the automatic bid to the NCAA tournament went to the division tournament champion with the highest overall winning percentage. That was a dumb formula, by the way. Ole Miss hosted that one year. Did State host it one year? I think so, but I don't recall. I think Ole Miss hosted it in 95, which was the last year that they played with that format. And then 96-97, eight teams qualified, but the teams that were seeded five through eight had single elimination games. Starting in 1998, they went to the Omaha-style bracket. It was two four-team sides of the bracket where both sides played double elimination and then the two winners met in a winner-take-all championship game. They went with the weird flip bracket from 2008 to 2011, which was where you had the two four-team brackets, but then when you got to the semifinals, you flipped sides of the bracket, and then you had a championship game. And then 2012, there was one year with only eight teams, And then in 2013, that's when we went to the 10-team tournament. The top four get a bye into the double elimination tournament, and you play four elimination games on the first Tuesday. So, there you go. 1986, the only time in any format the tournament has been played that both Mississippi State and Ole Miss missed it. There obviously have been a lot of years where one or the other was not there. But it's only happened one time in the history of the SEC baseball tournament. Hmm. A dubious distinction for that to happen for a second time. Yeah. And so the the question that I've gotten a hundred times, I'm sure you guys have as well, is, well, what needs to happen to turn it around? And it's actually got asked by a state fan last night, what what is... Mississippi State have to do to turn this around and I, I said well we got to know what's going to happen and if it is true that Lamonis is returning then you've got to absolutely nail the pitching coach hire I mean that, that's that's what it comes down to yes that they've got a portal well in, in those kind of things but if they were just average on the mound they'd be playing this week at least just average and so whoever they get has to produce immediate results that's the most important thing for them. For Ole Miss, it's roster turnover, I think. is They have to replace the outgoing with incoming quality. No, this isn't Gallo, not income inequality. Inco- incoming quality. We'll see if they can do it. Uh, yeah, I agree on the Ole Miss side of things. I mean, there's a lot to replace, right? Uh, Jacob Gonzalez is going to be gone, so you're going to have to have a new shortstop. That has been, you know, Mike Bianco has had the magic touch at shortstop. That has been a plug-and-play position, and largely it has been an incoming freshman comes in and locks down the job for three years and then gets drafted. I mean, that's just, you know, there's one, you've had a one, one one-year shortstop in the last 20 years, 15 years. 
And that was the year that Anthony Servideo in 2020 got that starting job at short, and then it was cut short. Um, but, I mean, it's been Jacob Gonzalez for three years, and prior to that it was Gray Kessinger for three years, and it was Servideo the – I guess it was Servideo in between those two for one year. And before Gray Kessinger it was uh, – who was it before Greg Kessinger? Errol? Errol Robinson. Before Errol Robinson, it was at Cozart for three years. I mean, it was, it's been three years at that spot. Plug them in the lineup every single day. So you're replacing that spot. Got to figure out if you're going to get Ethan Leger back at third base. Peyton Chatagnier could come back for, what, his sixth year? If he wanted to, you have a new first baseman. Odds are that's going to be Will Furness, but we'll see. Going to have a new catcher. I don't think your new catcher is on the roster right now. You have a new left fielder because Kemp Alderman is going to get drafted. I think Ethan Groff has another year if he wants it, I think. And then T.J. McCants, I, I don't know. And then from an arm stamp, so so yes, I completely agree, Borky. It's it's completely retooling the roster, and you need to get some guys back healthy, right? You yeah. you need Hunter Elliott's rehab to go really really well, and for him to be ready to go at the beginning of the year. You certainly hope that Josh Mallets chooses to come back to school for another year, and doesn't get drafted based on his performance at the end of last season, and him just go, you know what, I'm ready for Pro Bowl. Because I think that's a possibility. So, got to add arms. Got to add a bunch of position players. Hey, Ned, do you agree that with Borky's assessment there that the biggest thing in the offseason for State is getting the pitching coach job right? Because, I mean, there's some bright spots there, but I think they got to have more arms too. More arms that can throw strikes. Oh. Yeah, I mean it's almost it's almost going to be close to impossible for state. I mean, I really I really feel like Chris Lemonis is in a no-win situation because I'm not saying you got to go get Paul Skeens, but you got to go get at least two guys that you feel comfortable throwing out there Friday Saturday night in the SEC. Either that or Gerangelo and Bradley Lofton are about to have to take a huge step forward in this offseason, which is possible, but and that state's number one overall target is, is pitching, and they, they and then then they need to go get a couple, three, four quality bullpen arms. So, you know, luckily they have a good core of young hitters with Hines and and Jordan and Highfill and David Marchand. But pitching is a huge question mark, and and, and Borky is right in that it's going to start with the pitching coach. The name that I've heard being thrown around, which I, I can't report, uh, I can't say it just yet, but. Would be an interest, a very interesting hire, a very good hire. Uh, Wait, we can can't just traffic in rumor his... as like like names to nah. watch. Nah, nah, we should. I mean, if you, I'll tell you this: there's a there's a hot board on twenty four seven. That name is on it. Well, what are okay? So give me five names that are floating around out there. Sure, or three, um, or two. You just want one. Uh, let's see here. I know that they're going to uh, to try to talk to, or they may have already spoken to Mike Muscara at Wake Forest. 
I don't. I think that's a, a highly unlikely uh, situation. Okay. I think they would talk to Jason Jackson at Alabama if he doesn't get the head job there. Uh, and of course, the, the whoever that does get the head job there might be interested in keeping him on. If that's okay. the case, though, you would. And State was really interested. You would think that uh, State would be able to pry him away. You know, State State's a better job than Alabama. It's not, it's not a safer job than Alabama right now. Um, I'm sorry, I said Mike. I was thinking of our friend Mike Muscona. It's Corey Mascara at uh, at Watching McKizzle at, at uh, Wake Forest. Uh, yeah. Um, Rob Walton at Oklahoma State. Now, he's been there for a long time. He's a veteran of the game, but that's a guy I know State would have some interest in for sure. And then beyond that, maybe a guy like it, uh, Justin Parker at South Carolina who's just been there for a – Hasn't been there for a whole lot of time, but he had a really impressive year this year. Uh, a young guy, too. Be a good recruiter, I would think. All right. We'll keep an eye on those names and see what others pop up and how quickly that happens. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Mississippi. Sports. Sports Talk Mississippi. You know I love sports. On Super Talk Mississippi. time with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. This isn't exactly sports news, but I stumbled across this, and maybe you guys already know know this. Or I, I think I've just forgotten it. So January of 2022, so 17 months ago, Rodney Bennett, the president at the University of Southern Mississippi, announced that he would be stepping down as chancellor, president, at the end of his contract, which is June of 2023, so next month. I don't know if it's June 1st or June 30th. So I came across a story at uh, at D1 Ticker that says Nebraska, University of Nebraska at Lincoln, will name Rodney Bennett as its chancellor pending a 30-day vetting period. Bennett served as president at Southern Miss from 2013 until the expiration of his contract, which, again, ends in June. And he would become the first black chancellor at Nebraska. By the way, if you go back to when he was hired in 2013, Rodney Bennett, like, completely deflected that. He's like, I don't see that as a big deal. He's like, my job is to guide this university regardless of the color of my skin. Dr. Bennett's super, super sharp guy. And has done a great job in terms of growth on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And I mean, Southern Miss was in a bad place financially as a university when he took over. And he's really steadied things there. But he said at the time that he was looking forward to figuring out what the next step in his career was going to be. And he is, I guess, serving out his entire time there and his contract and looks like he's going to be the next chapter at uh, or the next chancellor at uh, Nebraska. Now there's a I remember correctly there's a university system chancellor at Nebraska cuz they've got Nebraska Lincoln and then like outposts as well. 
Kind of like Alabama has that, right? They have a university president and then a University of Alabama system chancellor that's over all the schools. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting when I saw that a little while ago. All right, let's go back one last time. We, we never really got back to the PGA Championship. Michael Block, such a huge story that in some ways it overshadowed Brooks Kepka winning his fifth major. But it puts him in extremely rare company. He's 33 years old. He won back-to-back U.S. Opens in 2017 and 2018. He won back-to-back PGA Championships in 2018 and 2019. He's now got five major championships in the last six years. And he becomes the seventh player since 1950 to win five majors before the age of 34. The other six, I think they're names that you've heard of before. Tiger Woods. Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer, Seve Ballesteros, Gary Player, Tom Watson, and now Brooks Kepka. That's the list since 1950. Kepka said this is probably the sweetest of his majors because all the hard work that went into this one, this one is definitely special. Felt like it. He also said that he would not have won this PGA championship had he not lost at Augusta. Who knows, right? But that's what he feels. Apparently he learned something about himself and the way to approach a final round at this point of his career in the way he lost at Augusta. So watching it yesterday, what do you think that was? A more aggressive approach? I don't know because it felt like it felt like he was choking on the front nine again. We well, have back to back bogeys, uh, got up to ten, right, and then he came all the way back down to to eight, and then Hovland was at seven, and it felt like oh here we go again, and then he just settled in and made putts. And... Yeah, but where he made those bogeys, I mean, six was the hardest hole on the golf course all week, and he just made a bad golf swing. Yeah, but Hovland. Uh, did Hovland birdie there, and then also parred to catch up one, right? Uh, no. So Brooks birdied two, three, and four to get it to ten under. Mm-hmm. And then he gave two shots back on six and seven. Hovland birdied four and five to keep pace. He made a par on six and a bogey on seven. Okay, so that par on six got him to within one, if I remember correctly. Uh, then- yeah, that may be right. And then Brooks just made the shots, man. Yeah. But the the biggest swing in the tournament, I know you talked about the, the mistake that you thought Hovland made in trying to force it out of the bunker. He made double bogey on 16, and Brooks made birdie on 16. And that was a three-shot swing, and the tournament was over. That was in, yeah. Even with Brooks making a bogey on 17, and Hovland birdieing 18 at the end. By the way, that... Putt for uh, for Hovland on 18 for birdie to get him to 7 under and a tie for second. Worth about $500,000. Good money. I mean, it's not hate ad money, but it's good money. <laughs> Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi. Good night. 
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.